The first characteristic of a love avoidant is that they avoid intimacy within the relationship because they're seeking intensity outside of the relationship. Number two is they're very resistant to professional help. Number three, they're very poor at communicating. Number four, they're hyper self-dependent. They're controlling and critical, very secretive about who they are and what they're doing. And finally, they limit their physical affection. Now let's dive a little bit deeper into each one of these. So starting with avoiding intimacy in the relationship by creating intensity outside of it. Unfortunately, in our culture, most people, when they teach about codependence, they only teach about what I call, or Pia Melody calls, the falsely disempowered. This is the typical, typical, really clingy, needy, you know, type of codependent that we all think of. Unfortunately, most people that teach codependence are completely unaware there's a polar opposite side to codependence, the falsely empowered. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, What's so sad and heartbreaking is the falsely empowered are what we as a culture think as successful. The most successful people on this planet are falsely empowered love avoidance. They are chasing outside intensity. And uh, it kind not always, but it typically has split along roles. You're seeing women kind of move in this other direction with the change in society, but men primarily... Their outside intensity has been their career, their hobbies, affairs, and addiction. Something is always more important than the relationship. Women primarily have gotten sick and hurt. They've used, so they've used illness and disease. Because let's face it, if I'm sick or hurt, I don't, I don't have to be present in the relationship. Now, I know that sounds crazy, and we would never want to say somebody's trying to make themselves sick or hurt, but we know that most illnesses are subconsciously, meaning the person is not aware, psychosomatic. And it's because of the trauma that created this avoidant that they're sick and hurt. The, the fear of intimacy, this is a defense mechanism. I know that just sounds crazy, but it's been overwhelmingly proved um, that this is common. All right? The other way women... Primarily, it's not always, but primarily, they'll overattach to their pets. You see that a lot on dating profiles, that the first thing a woman mentions is their dogs, their cats, like everything's about their pets. Well, that lets you know if you're going to date this person, that you're going to be this woman's mistress, like they're in a primary relationship with their animal. That's okay. I mean, maybe you like that. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying that's an avoidance. That, keep, that the intensity is around the animal, all right? Children is another one. Like, how could you ever disparage a mom or dad who, you know, seemingly makes their child a priority? Well, there's over-attachment, enmeshment, helicopter parenting, all these um, less-than-perfect styles of parenting that look kind and loving, but they're very codependent, and they're part of the love-avoidant 
creating intensity outside of it. So the characteristic, you know, the key component to number one of avoiding intimacy is that something outside of the relationship is always more important. And you see that the defense is these are all very difficult things to confront your partner on. Like whether it's a male or female, they're working 70, 80 hours a week. Like how can you argue with someone who's putting bread on the table and paying for the private schools and the wonderful trips and dinners you go on? That's hard to go. You're an avoidant. You're avoiding intimacy. Or a mother or father who really cares about the kids or animals are great. Like that's why it's such an incredibly crafty defense mechanism. Their primary relationship is an intense connection to something outside of the relationship that's more important than the relationship itself, all right? So look, is that what's happening? Does your partner primarily spend most of their time out here and is it crafted behind one of these really what would seem like very kind and loving choices? But in fact, they're a falsely empowered codependent who's also a love avoidant. Number two, resistant to professional help. Well, there are several reasons for this. Can you see what it would require for an avoidant to um, require of them to pursue professional help? They'd have to be vulnerable. They'd have to be known. Well, that's exactly what they're avoiding, right? That's why they pursue this outside intensity and many of the other. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Things I'm going to get to. And so professional help requires intimacy, truth, opening up from your childhood and all these different things, these thoughts and feelings. Well, they're avoiding all of that. The other thing is, it takes them out of the power position. And so they'll tend to say, oh, none of that stuff works. It's silly. It's of no value. Um, and that we get, remember, I talked about controlling and critical. This is one of the areas they're critical about of any type of professional help. Yet they're an expert in their field, and they'll talk about how everyone needs them as an expert, but they've never done any investigation on personal development, relationships, and all of that, yet they'll call themselves an expert without having any of the information. All right, and so that's the defense mechanism is they play the expert in their life, and this is part of the controlling and critical. Then they're the expert of everything, even if they have no experience with it. That's how they push it away and avoid it. Number three, they're poor communicators. Well, this shows up and they don't share who they are. And, and they're really crafty about it. When they speak, they don't tell you the whole story. They leave little bits out. Like, I had a client. And her propensity was to tell part of the story. For instance, I'll never forget, um, they, they came into the office, the husband and wife were fighting because she had said, or he asked her, um, what did you do today? And um, she said, oh, not much. And he asked her, did you go to the store? And she said, no. 
Well, her defense was, he didn't ask me which store I went to. I wasn't lying. And that it feels like you're dealing with a narcissist. See, a lot of people confuse falsely empowered codependence um, and love avoidance with narcissism because that's very gaslighting. But that's how they parse out not being known. This is how they avoid intimacy. And so they send very mixed messages and they're very limited. Like you have to be really precise. They will not let you pin them down on anything. They're withholding communication and the full story. They only tell parts of the story. That's how they protect themselves from getting attached and close to you. And so you're always on the defensive. They're always, remember, they're after power and control. And so they're always in this power position and you're always wondering what the truth is, what really happened, what's going on. And so their stories never mix up, uh, never line up. And if you find a little tidbit that's off, that's when they hop into number five and get controlling and critical and they get really angry and use all of that anger to control you and squash you. So let's move to number four, uh, hyper self-dependent. They're very needless and wantless. They are the type that believes they can do everything on their own. That's part of why they're resistant to professional help. It's like, ah, I've got this. I don't need it. They're very detached from, I hate to say this, very detached from reality. And they have an overinflated view of themselves and are really what's called out of reality. They don't see themselves accurately, yet they believe they do. They believe they have a full assessment and are completely self-aware, yet they're completely detached from truth and reality of their affect, of their thoughts and feelings. um, They don't really know what they feel because they're so detached. That's another kind of subtle characteristic is you can ask them what they're feeling. Nothing. Fine. Like they just don't have many feelings because they're not present. They're not in the relationship they're not really in a relationship with themselves either but again they're hyper self-dependent and so because they encapsulate themselves in this you know um, bubble of self-security they're always in their head and so they don't get outside input and so they don't have a real honest assessment of who they are but again they think they do and so they won't depend on anyone. They won't ask for help. They, you know, they're the type that you know, um, gets in a car accident, walks into the emergency room all by themselves, bleeding everyone. No, I'm fine. Take everyone else next. And, um, you know, and then won't even call you and tell you that they were in an accident. Because, well, what's the big deal? I can take care of it myself. You know, this was something I struggled with. Like... Um, when I was much younger, before I got into recovery, I did that. Like, I just realized as I was telling that story, I was like, oh, I'm talking about me. <laughs> That's what I did. I just, I'd get hurt and I'd just take care of it on my own. In my case, it was because I grew up knowing no one would be there for me. That's part of what happens. What's underneath that avoidance is really severe abandonment. And that's why they don't, well, They've also had the, the emotional life sucked out of them, so they're afraid of it. But if, you, if, someone, if a parent depends on you so much emotionally, that's also a severe abandoning because the parent's job is to be there for them, but they weren't. So underneath this avoidant, while it seems they're cold and distant, actually, 
They're really craving deep intimacy. They just don't know how. It's too scary for them. All right. Number five, controlling and um, critical. This shows up in your suggestion for getting outside help. Um, they will be, they'll find fault. Any critique of the relationship or about them, they will spin that and really control you and critique you. And this is where they can use, you know, um, anger. They can say no just out of spite. Um, they always have to have that superior power position. And so any type of request for them to look at themselves or join in a situation or get evaluated by anyone else's perspective, they will have a severe wall around that and defend themselves to the death, basically. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. To avoid that, they have to stay in this power position. And again, our society thinks that's healthy, but that's severe codependence, and it's called the falsely empowered codependent. I have videos on that on my codependence playlist. I urge you to watch that because, again, Many people are assuming they're with a narcissist when, in fact, they're with a severe, falsely empowered, love-avoidant codependent. And they look very similar, but they're not, okay? Um, they're also very secretive. Now, this, again, goes back to their communication. They don't share the full story. Um, and they always have some sort of life away from you that you don't know about. They tell you tidbits. But then you end up at a party, you know, say they have an outside activity, um, whether it's their career, whether it's a hobby, and you show up and all of a sudden you start hearing all these stories and you're like, why don't you tell me about that? Boom, controlling and critical. What do you mean? I'd tell you everything. Well, it just didn't matter. I just didn't think it, you know, I forgot about it. And that's part of that poor communication. You know, now they're going to, they'll, they won't get into details. And because they're only giving you pieces of it, you know, then, and you find a, a hole in that piece of the story, then they give you a little piece, but again, they're always withholding. There's always a secret because basically their defense mechanism is something outside of the relationship is always more important than you. And you can tell a love avoidant very simply. When the relationship is over, if they decide the relationship is over, they'll literally tell you, no, I'm done. I have no feelings. Like, if you have friends, and they've been through breakups, and they're like, no, I'm over it. Or they say to you, I'm the type that once I'm done, I'm over it. Like, that's a great first date question. So, what about your last relationship? How did that go when you broke up? Oh, I was over it right away. Boom. You know you're dealing with a severe love avoidant. Because someone who's over it that quickly means they were never in it. And that's a key characteristic while I didn't mention it, it's part of the avoiding intimacy is they're never present. They're never really in the relationship because they're so secretive. 
because they have outside um, intensity, because they're hyper self-dependent, because they're controlling and critical, they've never allowed for the mutual exchange of intimacy, love, and connection, and vulnerability. And so that's why they're just, yeah, I'm done with it. doesn't bug me. Number seven, limited affection. Um, now, what's fascinating about the love avoidant is many times when you meet them, they're hyper, I have to be careful with the word, everyone will ban this word nowadays, but they're hyper intimate in the bedroom, all right? But then once commitment happens, they'll get sick, they'll get hurt, they'll get busy, they'll get migraines, like all of a sudden it disappears. That's the power they use. They'll use money, they'll use intimacy, they use all these techniques to suck you in intellectual, emotional, like <laughs> being a really smart person or, or money. You know, they use all these really um, seductive techniques and they look so vulnerable and everything. But the second commitment happens, boom, they withdraw. It's gone. And then you try and have a talk about it. I don't need professional help. No, I'm just tired. I'm just this. Now that bad communication comes up, the controlling and critical. And so you're always just feeling crazy. Again, this is why people, many people, mis, you know, judge their partner as a narcissist when in fact they're a severely love avoidant, falsely empowered codependent. Again, I urge you, go watch my videos on my YouTube channel under my codependence playlist where I talk about the falsely empowered codependent. Many of you think you're with a narcissist, but you're actually with, you know, because our society says this is success. This is a person who has it figured out. It's not true. It's a shame-based, false power dynamic. They're looking for outside intensity, outside validation um, to fill that abandonment and shame that they feel inside underneath it. It's what created, because what creates all of this is really toxic parenting, you know, and obviously there are levels of degree to this. So before I get into that, I want to finish with the affection. This is very common. They won't be sexual with you, but they're having affairs. They'll have a porn addiction um, and they're withholding sex. And yet you're watching all of this happen and you're hearing all of these excuses. And yet there it is. There's the outside intensity. And that's the thing. There's always, whether it's addiction, whether it's work, whether it's hobbies, whether it's illness, whether it's pets, whether it's children, there's always something that they can distance themselves and chase and limit their affection intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Okay? So what creates all of this? Well, <clears throat> it's a child who is parentified. You know, I, 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 my heart breaks when I run into parents and they have a seven-year-old who acts like a 25-year-old or, you know, whatever it is. Or I run into, a, you know, someone who's teenage years and they're already acting very adult-like. I'm like, wow, this, this child's childhood was stolen from them. They had to take care of a sick parent or in a divorce they became a surrogate spouse for one of the parents or both parents used the child in the middle emotionally. Um, they were latchkey kids. 
they were left alone a lot and had to defend for themselves. Um, it really comes from severe abandonment. They had to be self-sufficient because mom or dad weren't there. And some of that isn't mom or dad's fault. Like some situations, mom or dad just had to work to survive. But there's also the element of a parent. Usually the biggest cause of this is a parent who over-attached to their child. They did what's called enmeshment. Our culture thinks this type of parenting is loving. That parent who's like... Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Oh my God, I love my kid. I love my kid. All they do is think about my kid. And my, like I saw a woman on Facebook took her daughter to college. And for a week, she was posting stories this long of she spent the first week of college with her daughter, hanging out with her daughter. And just writing stories of everything they did together. That's enmeshment. She can't let go. That poor girl has just been suffocated emotionally. That's not love. That's too much. It's not our job. It's not our child's job to make us feel special. And that's too often what happens in this dynamic. The child becomes the favorite or the parent gets their emotional needs met through the child because they can't get it met through their spouse or, you know, with friends. That a healthy adult would not overly attach to their child. There would be a level of boundaries there so that our child can be independent and have healthy what's called attunement, but not this smothering. So... That's what's underneath it is it looks healthy and loving, but a parent who needs a child that much, the parent who's like, oh my God, my little baby's growing up and leaving. What am I going to do? That's a mother or father who's enmeshing with their child. There's too much need to keep the child a child so that it's this possession that they can keep close to them. So that separation that mom and dad go through when the child leaves off to school, um, that's a sign that the child was enmeshed with and there's a codependent dynamic in childhood. And so this person, the reason they can't attach to you is of that smothering. Um, because underneath all of that massive attention is a massive abandonment. And so they're scared to death. You're going to do, if, if you know everything about them, you're going to leave them too. You're going to need too much. So, what do you do about this? Well, in my experience um, in working with couples and in almost all relationships, you have, you know, everyone's codependent. I know you may not want to hear that, but our, every movie, every book, every love song, everything we've ever seen about love is literally love. What the model we've been shown of what a loving relationship is actually severe love addiction and love avoidance. All movies, just think of it, they're always walking away from each other and then there's this grand poobah moment at the end where they come together.
but that's the hallmark of love addiction and love avoidance. One is always walking away from the other. It's this dance. It's very manipulative on both sides. Now, the love addict, because their conscious fear is abandonment, they'll do the work. They're like, don't leave me. But the avoidant, their conscious fear is intimacy and connection. So it can be almost impossible to work with a severe love avoidant. Because remember number two? They refuse professional help. They refuse an outside critique and outside information. They refuse to be vulnerable and share who they are. They don't communicate the full story. Well, that's what professional help requires. And they're not capable of it. So if you're, you know, the question is, if you've been with somebody and they are just massively resistant to getting outside professional help, your chances of ever having a deep, intimate connection are basically non-existent, unless that changes. It requires both, you know, this side tends to need too much. This needs too little. Both need to learn what's called maturity and moderation and get into reality about both of their situations and heal the codependence that they're both struggling with. And if the avoidant refuses to get outside help or invest in a program or something like that, then the current relationship you have is is as good as it will get. It will not improve. And the more you yell and scream and threaten, it won't change anything. It won't. So your best bet is to set boundaries and no longer tolerate the behavior. And look at yourself and go, why am I still chasing somebody who's shown me over and over that they're not willing to commit? When am I going to love myself enough to say no to that? Because me chasing it isn't because I love them so much. It's because I love the deprivation. That's the part this side has to get into reality about. Is where they're out of reality is this person is repeatedly and openly rejecting them through all of these techniques, yet they'll say, but I love them so much. No. I'm, I'm, I don't know how to say this. I'll try to say it as loving as I can. It's not that you love them. It's that you went through such abandonment as a child that you'll settle for scraps. And so this requires you recognizing, wow, you don't have to suffer anymore. It's time for you to do some healing work and get your self-esteem back and heal that abandonment hole because you're worth it. It's not okay for someone to abandon you like that. It's not okay for you to accept it and put up with so little. You deserve more. You're worth more. And so are they. The difficulty is they're so detached from that truth, they may never pursue it. So I leave the choice up to you. Again, I highly recommend that you do two things. Go to my YouTube channel, watch my YouTube playlist, and then go to my website and go to the resource tab. When you slide down, I have several free downloads for codependence that'll really help you. I suggest you check that out. Um, if you want to go further, then my suggestion is my online masterclasses, my complete emotional mastery method. You can find direct links to those masterclasses on my website, which is kennyweiss.net. And for the masterclasses, just go under coaching, self-guided. And 
there's a whole, there are three master classes dedicated to codependence recovery for both the love addict and, or I've been using this, this is the love avoidant and this is the love addict. And so if hopefully you have a love avoidant who's not way out this way and they're more towards the addict side. And if you do, those master classes um, will walk you through the complete healing journey because you both deserve to feel safe. Um, you both deserve to feel connected and intimate intellectually, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And those classes will show you how to do that. So there are your seven characteristics. I hope that gives you a better idea of what's going on and how you might decide to pursue things in the future with the person you're with.